Well, welcome everybody. You know, whenever there is a change of season, Karma Hansen with Save Kids Grand Forks comes into the studio. She is back today and she's got a guest and we'll be talking with them in just a minute. First, let's hear from Churchill Shoes. Churchill Shoes has moved. One of the largest SAS dealers in the upper Midwest is now in the Grand Cities Mall and ready to find you a pair of shoes that you will love. At Churchill Shoes, they measure both feet to make sure you're getting the proper fit. They carry men's and women's styles and offer free special orders when shoes aren't in stock and free in-town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand Cities Mall. All right, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to call us. All right, our phone number is 701-213-0863. Again, 701-213-0863. And before we get going... Let's do it. It's time for our daily segment called Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. I got two today because I'm sure Dale's not going to like the first one. So here we go. You know what's so hot out? Um, I saw a chicken lay an omelet. You got a thumbs up? I got a thumb up. Okay, how about this one? I got a better one. It's so hot that I've started leaving the toilet seat up just to get those chilling, icy stares from my wife. <laughs> What'd you think of that one, Dale? Yeah, so so. Karma Hansen, how are you? I'm great. You uh, brought a guest with you. Why don't you introduce this guy for us? I did. Uh, I have had the pleasure uh, in my career to work with a lot of great people from the University of North Dakota. And many years ago, I got introduced to a gentleman by the name of Dr. Dennis Kane. And he did a lot of work around sports injuries and that kind of thing. And five years ago, um, we launched a study that was done on sports injuries that were seen uh, in our emergency room to try to take a look at where we seeing changes in trends and that kind of thing. That study was released five years ago as being a 10-year study. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we have had the honor of working with Dr. Mark Romanik, uh, who is with the UND Physical Therapy Department. Uh, he's all things smart about physical therapy and teaching students <laughs> at the PT school and the med school and that kind of stuff. And uh, he took that study and continued it uh, for another five years, and so we just released a study that was published uh, in a in a, a, a medical journal mm-hmm. that is a fifteen year study of injuries seeing in our ER. And it, looking at now, what are the ramifications of now we've got all this data? What do we need to do with it? And um, Dr. Dennis Kane and Dr. Mark Romanik and I have had conversations around that of, you know, getting it out to uh, athletic trainers, mm-hmm. um, ath- you know, sports uh, people within our region, uh, parents, coaches, and saying, here's what we're seeing in our kids, uh, our youth athletes. What do we need to do about that? So Sure. Mark Romanik is, is our smart man that's joining us yeah, here let's today. Give, let's give him a little round of applause. <sighs> Uh, Dr. Romanic, um, things, okay, now uh, I'm, I'm going to go with people my age. All right. I'm, I'm 58 years old. Um, many, many broken bones, many, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You talk about physical therapy. I went six days a week for seven months. So, but when I think about sports injuries in my time as an athlete and, and I'm, I'm just getting off track a little bit here to get rolling, but things have changed so much. Um, I, I shudder to think about how many concussions I probably really have. 
Um, and, and, you know, with what I've, they've said I've had, you know, the times I actually went in. Um, but that's just the start. But so many things have changed. And, and it was only about time that we started doing these kind of things. But um, how did you ever get involved with this? And, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, okay. Well, for starters, I'm, I'm both a physical therapist and an athletic trainer. And I'm okay. one of the faculty members in the PT department at uh, UND. And it was Dennis Kane that invited me into uh, being a committee member for a master's degree student to doing this uh, study over 10 years. And uh, when we'd gotten all together, we were looking to publish it, and Dennis came up with the crazy idea of let's add five more years onto these 10 years sure. of, of <laughs> data analysis, and I know a 15-year study will just have, be that more powerful. And so, uh, so that's what we did. And uh, we kept it to youth. So and we classified youth as anyone from zero or birth to to 19 years of age. Okay, okay. And we ran it over, uh, looked at records from the year 2000 to 2014. So we had 15 years of records, and these were to be sports or recreational sure, injuries. Sure. So, I mean, one of the things we account for is uh, bicycling. Is it a sport? Well, we throw it in with our recreational yep. because that bicycling injuries are the top of all the injuries that we categorize. Sure, sure. Those are the sure. most um, with frequent injury were, were bicycling injuries among these um, these uh, young people was that the most shocking uh, data you got out of this uh, or, or were there ones that just you, you thought to yourself oh my goodness I never even thought about that well one of the things that you know may be shocking to you as you talked about concussions was we did see a, a rise in concussions as we looked um, roughly from about 2007 on up into 2014 um, but we we think there may be an attributable it may be attributable to the fact that there was more awareness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that that was yeah. when legislation started coming through nationally so like all fifty states now have some form of concussion, concussion legislation and we're just thinking that now you know parents coaches even players and even physicians are no you know more aware of that being a potential and so um, for many it. They were just probably thinking, well, my child has a concussion. Maybe we should go in and have this uh, checked out. Mm-hmm. And so whatever injuries happened, they, they had to make it to the ER. That's when we, uh, we pulled all our data coming, what, whatever it sure. took to get to the ER, then we, we took that. So that was, that was an interesting thing to see was that concussion um, uh, rates were increasing. And another interesting thing was that women's injuries were increasing as well. And we're not sure what to attribute that to. Um, we do know women tend to have a greater number of um, uh, anterior cruciate ligament injuries in the knee mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. To, to boys or males. And, uh, and just maybe it's a continuation that women are, are becoming more and more involved in sports. Sure, sure. Um, over, over the years, it's been just uh, to be a, a participation sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, again, going back to my day, uh, women's sports, I mean, you had, okay, basketball, volleyball, swimming, softball. And, and I don't even think we had girls softball in my city. But um, now, I mean, you throw in how many other sports in the mix? I mean, now they're playing rugby and they're, and they're, and they're um, playing hockey and, and sports like that. So they're, they're getting out there and doing a lot more than they used to back in the day. Certainly. certainly. And they, and they just like uh, males are training harder and mm-hmm. becoming bigger and stronger sure. and faster. And uh, now there's scholarships available so for all these <laughs> right. sports. And- well, and one of the things I was going to mention was we don't oftentimes think of it, of it. It as a sport, and yet it is, is cheerleading. Oh, sure. Uh, and, and there are a lot of competitive um, cheer um, mm-hmm. teams here in our community now, and that is 
the rise in popularity of that is incredible. And, you know, it, it is takes a lot of athletic ability to do some of the lifts and oh, the jumps absolutely. and the routines and yeah. things like that that they're doing, um, primarily dominated by women. Uh, but that being said, you think about um, the concussion risk with falls mm-hmm. and things like that related to um, cheerleading. And so it's not just your you know, traditional athlete of football, soccer, hockey, baseball kind of thing you need to be thinking about. But um, particularly with concussions, you know, do their coaches, um, do their parents know what to do um, should they experience a concussion? You know, Mark mentioned um, that he is an athletic trainer also. And if it is an organized sport like a a football or a a, a volleyball or hockey or something like that within the school district, they have certified athletic trainers standing Mm -hmm. on the sidelines that can make some of those judgment calls and provide that discretion of, no, this player needs to be out or they need to sit or go to the ER, that kind of thing. Um, But a lot of our youth sports are just volunteer coaches. You know, it's dads that were good baseball players or they love playing football, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, as Dr. Romanik mentioned, there are now more um, training requirements in place for some of them. And even the ones that are mandated to have the training Mm -hmm. are getting it because we've said that this is important enough that we need to be teaching coaches about concussions. You know, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. And I've uh, going back old school, like where I'm from, um, you know, now everybody, you wear, you wear helmets when you ride a bike. You wear you wear gear. We never did. Um, and I've actually had people say, well, the reason why kids are getting hurt more now is because they have all the safety gear on and they're more fearless. Now, and, and I thought about that and I thought, put myself in my shoes 50 years ago. I probably would have <laughs> I would have thought that. Well, now I got a helmet on and I got all these gloves and elbow pads. I'm going to try to jump five kids laying behind that ramp now instead of three. But is that a possibility? It's a think, possibility. Nothing we we could measure in right, that regard. Right. But, right. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> now, do you think, because I know parents, um, they're out there, they, they refuse to let their kids play certain sports uh, because of the risk factor of possibly getting an injury. Um, what do you say about that? Because I, injuries happen. They could happen to you walking down your stairwell. They could happen to you, you know, tripping over your dog, or they could happen on the football field. But do you think kids should just let them be kids and, and give it a try anyway? Well, I'm... I'm in that um, that uh, park that mm-hmm. is letting kids try. Yeah. Yes, there's risk, and and we know going into this study is that what if what if there were no injuries? Well, that's not going to happen. No. And in no matter what we do, if you if you retain that uh, physical and athletic nature of all these sports, there will always be some injuries. But mm-hmm. if, but if we can minimize them, you know whether it's through protective gear, rule changes, and those kinds of things. We, we've found it's the, the organized sports typically are have lower risk mm-hmm. because of all these safety features sure, sure. put in versus if you let your kid ride a bike down mm-hmm. the street, right, you know, you've right. got a lot of different factors that you've got no control over. So, so the risk is there, and, and um, yeah, it happens. Nice thing kids heal quickly yeah, in most yeah, cases. Yeah, they're little gumbies. They're pretty yeah. bendable. And, 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 I'm, and I'm good with... What's happened with concussion? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of saying, well, it, you know, because the risk is there, you should um, you should not let your child participate. Right, and right. Most you know, way way in uh, above and beyond. Most recover well if they're 
taken care of well once, mm-hmm. once they happen. And of course, somebody who's had multiple concussions, that's another story. Yeah. You know, they need to talk to a physician about, you know, is this, is this a good plan? Yeah. Back in the day, you you'd know. go to the ER, the doctor would say, yeah, you got a concussion. Don't let him go to sleep for five hours or whatever, you know, and then mom would walk you around and wake you up every half hour or whatever. But, yeah, um, that's changed. Yeah. That's changed a <laughs> lot. Let him sleep. Yeah. And, and then the thing is too is, you don't realize after the concussions keep adding up, and pretty soon yeah. you're in for your third or your fourth. Well, in in if I remember right, every time you get one, it takes a little longer to heal. Uh, probably, mm-hmm. probably, and you set yourself up for a worse condition sure. later. So sure, it's, it's something to be thought of. And like I said, it takes medical evaluation to know if that's a good right. plan. How important is is stretching for younger athlete athletes? Um, you know, I mean, stretching has been known to be very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Younger, you know, I'd say for older athletes. Well, seems older be, we know, yeah. <laughs> we get stiffer. We get a injured good, stretching. A good, a, a good warm-up may be the best thing is to get sure. the blood moving out mm-hmm. to the muscles. And I've got no problem. Stretching is still a fine, a fine activity. So a combination of warming the muscles up plus stretching is probably a great preparatory Sure, uh, tool sure. to use to help prevent muscle pulls and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what is the the uh, is there a thing that surprised you the most with this study, where you kind of went, "Wow, I never ever thought of that." Um, you know, maybe it was the the um, unorganized, not or, unorganized, um, uh, unsupervised. It. The playground mm-hmm. injuries. Oh, oh were sure. Way. We we had a category for playground injuries, and they ranked very high I as bet. far as number of injuries. You know, and so. Uh, I'm not saying the playground equipment is is by nature um, dangerous, mm-hmm. but it's probably a supervision factor, and, and some maybe is dangerous, or the or the the ground they fall on doesn't have adequate padding and that right, sort of thing. Right. So, yeah. So uh, that, that was a little bit of a an interesting uh, feature that popped up. So. And, and it's interesting because I've been doing this as a Safe Kids coordinator for 28 years, and if you would have asked me what's the number one thing that brings children into our ER. Uh, it is falls from playground equipment, and we've known that. Uh, and it, 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 we don't see kids dying of it, mm-hmm. so you don't see it in the newspaper, but we certainly see it in our medical it, records. It, it, and it is um, it has earned kids overnight hospital stays sure. or visits to the ER to fix fractures and things like that. Uh, but Dr. Romana hit on it exactly. Number one reason for that, well, there's two. Um, one is them playing on playground equipment that's not geared for them. Mm-hmm. Most playground equipment is up to age five yep. and then five to 12, and yep. it should be marked as such. But the biggest predictor of that injury is going to be the surfacing below it. And yeah. your surfacing, when you put in a play, piece of playground equipment, needs a minimum of nine inches of surfacing below it. And so what we say to people is if you're bringing home a new playground set, just set it down, put your frame around it of whatever that's going to be. You know, a lot of times it's um, like railroad ties mm-hmm. that you're going to mm-hmm. hold your fill in. Uh, take a piece of painter's tape, uh, put a blue mark uh, at nine inches on the leg of that equipment, fill it to oh. 12 inches so that as it becomes it compressed, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that that it's at least nine inches or and then pay attention. So like at the bottom of slides or under swings. Yep. where there's movement or around a merry-go-round, uh, that that um, fill is not dissipating uh, and needing to be raked uh, back in. There is maintenance that goes along with that. But, um, yeah, when we're seeing them show up in our injury reports, there's things that we need to be getting across. Are the there even merry-go-rounds at playgrounds anymore? 
Seems like all the dangerous, fun <laughs> stuff is gone now. <laughs> they have tried to engineer it so they are a little bit safer because okay. kids inherently find a way to use the equipment the wrong for which way. it's not intended. Exactly. Yeah. That's the fun part of using playground equipment. Uh, you know, that would be an ad with it's your like, face all over it, wouldn't it, John? John, you're not helping. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's probably pictures in your baby album of you like climbing on top of something that was intended mm-hmm. to go down. Or, mm-hmm. yep, uh-huh. Yeah, I was riding motorcycles. I had no business business being on when I was a kid and I did yeah I couldn't even touch my feet on the ground and I'd still figure out a way to take off we on it. We stayed but. away from motorized sports in this study. Oh yeah yeah <laughs> no, well no uh, motorcycles. Yeah cars, I was doing that right. before I even knew how to ride a bicycle so that but uh, yeah. But I, I guess you know we're going to be getting we released the results of the study and Dr. Romanic put together a really nice summary that we had in our um, newsletter that went out this spring. Okay. Uh, we're going to be getting more information out to coaches athletic trainers because my gosh it took a ton of time to get this and a, a huge, uh, you know, thanks to Dr. Romanic for doing all that data collection. Yeah. Wasn't it like over four thousand injuries? Yes, is that, is in that, fact, yeah, we had four thousand seventeen. I think four thousand. Wow. That, that's a lot of charts to look at. Is that all over? Is that just local or what? yeah? In, in our local area, we figured wow. the catchment area must be I don't know fifty to seventy miles. Oh, I mean, geez. it's from all true, mm-hmm. but it as he said, it's anybody that would have accessed right. our ER from around the area. Sure. So, so to have that information, we don't want to just sit on that. We want to get that out to coaches and athletic trainers and sure. things like that and parents so that they know what can we be doing? What are the big injury prevention things we need to be doing to change those numbers of what mm-hmm. we're seeing in our ER? And you know, another thing too, uh, and I try to stress this, especially with team sports, um, that, that being on a team sport isn't just about the sport itself. Uh, it's about bonding and working together and, and following directions and figuring things out. Uh, and, and when something like this happens and say an athlete has got to sit for a while because of an injury, finding out how the rest of the team works without you and, and what they do. And, and uh, there's just so much involved. And, and uh, I, I argue with my mother about this all the time because during the pandemic, you know, with the sports thing, and I don't need, mom, there's more to sports than sports itself, right, right. you know, and, 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 being safe and and getting over injuries that's a big part of it i mean we see it all the time you know uh professional athletes so well and do you want to just quickly uh, talk about overuse injuries because that is an area where i know it's an expertise of yours but you know these kids who play hockey you know 11 months three weeks out of the year there's a reason why they talk about changing things up do you want to talk about overuse uh, injuries coaches and families don't probably want to hear my my thoughts you, this, you'd be surprised. The, the, they have found that athletes do much better with multiple sports rather than concentrating on a single sport. And, and it seems like maybe that's counterintuitive. You know, if you spend more time in a sport, you should get better, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to be the best. And uh, uh, that's just that the injuries increase yes. with that. Yep. And uh, you develop so many more skills with other types of sports. Other mus- muscle memory to get. Exactly. You know? And um, like I said, it's the injury thing. And then there's, uh, you know, kids as they develop, it, it is so hard to identify an up-and-coming really stellar mm-hmm. athlete early in life. It's, it's oh, later yeah. as they're, you know, after they've, you know, moved through maturity or puberty and are starting to develop. Then, then things really surface as to where where these skills lie. Right. So, and, and, you know, most kids, if they're superstars at a very, very young age, they're just going to be average. Yeah. Uh, you don't, I, and I know this from, I coached and stuff for a long time, but this is one thing I'm going to say, um, especially high school and, and below, um, every coach, because I do a lot of sports stuff, every coach I've interviewed, um, you know, until you get to college and, you know, you're a hockey player, that's what you are. 
these coaches I talk to all the time, they want their athletes, their student athletes to be in more sports. They want them to go out and do things. They don't just, if I'm a hockey coach, I just don't want this kid playing hockey. Even if they go on in their, you know, their fall sports schedule because they made the playoffs, he's going to start hockey a week late. That's okay. Let them experience maybe a chance to go, you know, win a state title and something else. But they all like when kids are in other sports. Well, or, you know, you hear about these hockey players who take dance because of the coordination and the balance and that kind of thing. Or coaches who put their athletes into the pool. uh, Mm -hmm. And instead of doing, you know, their traditional conditioning, they put them in the pool and do their conditioning that way, you know, on different occasions. So, All right. All right. Anything else we got? We got a lot of other we, summer safety topics, but we I, could we could get him on a show all his own. I think. Oh goodness! I, absolutely. I'm have to work absolutely. on that. Yeah. Aren't you glad I made the introduction? You, uh, yes, I am. I am, and thank make, you. Make it quick. I'm retiring June 30. Are you? <laughs> Good for you. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you have a business card? With, I'll get your biz. I'll get your number sure, for you when we're done. You. All right. Um, and thank you for coming in here because this Certainly. is stuff that Thanks. really, really fascinates me, and I'm friends with a lot of people that would like to find out more about this. So we're going to have to get you on. All right, you. Safe kids, summer, sweltering heat. Yes. My goodness. The first thing I think of is, and kids go, 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 go. They don't, they're not like me. They, they don't cramp up walking across the yard, you know. But um, how important is it for these kids to stay hydrated? Uh, hugely important to stay hydrated. And uh, my colleague to my right here told me, and the, the people in his field have taught me, uh, you know, that water is always best. You see these kids walk into the gate, uh, you know, the concession stand mm-hmm. and they buy their Gatorade. Yep. And really what they say is that athletes don't need um, the, the, the Gatorades and the yeah, Powerades you know, until the about 60 to 90 yep. minutes of really active hard play. The best thing the parents can do is send that water bottle with those kids. And what they really need to be cognizant of is, you know, if they're going to a rink where there's a bathroom or a fountain, you know they have access to water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what I think about is like the t-ball field or softball fields um, who, you know, maybe they're not near uh, a spigot. Uh, and maybe those parents need to think about not just a water bottle, but several water bottles or a cooler, you know, that the team can share uh, so that they have access to water. Know uh, that your kids have access to be able to get that yeah. because staying hydrated uh, not only is good for their health, but really helps to keep their muscles moving well, their brain thinking sure. well, um, and keeps them in the game. So uh, as we get into that, not just athletes, uh, but it could be people just out, um, you know, for a walk, or it could be construction workers or people that mm-hmm. are doing a lawn service, you know, that kind of thing where they're working out in that heat, uh, that they need to think about that as well. Yeah, and kids don't think about that stuff like we do. They might not sweat as bad as the old out-of-shape guys like I do, but uh, uh, you know, Karma, we've got so many things uh, to talk about because every, every, well, I guess... um, season is different there's always different things every season to talk about but uh, we got to get a quick break in here and i want to talk a little bit about cnh insurance over in east grand forks uh, guys have been around for a long time and you know they began with the goal of building an agency with the highest of principles personalized attention and service and that is their priority today i mean they strive to give everyone who walks through their door special attention and of course the best customer service possible their agents have got a ton of experience over 50 years of combined 
Allied Insurance Experience, and they're licensed in Minnesota, North Dakota, and Arizona. Hey, for all your insurance needs, get a hold of Justin, Jody, or Tammy, 218-773-0287, or you can stop by 1427 Central Avenue Northwest at East Grand Forks. Check them out, CNH Insurance, Grand Forks' best source insures with CNH. Uh, you might want to think about that, too. Uh, Dr. Mark Romanic, uh, just leaving the studio now. Now Ceci has joined us. We better uh, do a little bit of that for her. And, um, okay, now you can see what she looks like. There you go. <laughs> All right, we promised we wouldn't put her on. So Yes, um, but I would like to introduce Ceci. Okay. is uh, a public health student from the University of North Dakota, and she is doing her internship with us with Safe Kids this summer. And so if there's people listening that are looking for volunteer time or uh, they're looking for clinical hours or that kind of thing for programs, we've done things with child development, with nursing, with public health, uh, with marketing interns, and we love working working with students. So uh, our Safe Kids team is uh, more than happy to receive those calls and we'll find a way to get you in and get you some really good experience. And I told her next time she's got to do the interview. This time she can just listen. You'll be coming in next time. I guarantee you. (laughs) All right. We talked about uh, staying hydrated karma. There's so many things. And the first thing I want to start with is uh, swimming. Uh, I mean, pools are opening now. Um, I still think it's a safe, you know, a safer bet to go use the local pools, the public pools. Um, unless, um, you know, unlike us, we were river rats growing up, which was stupid because I'd be out in the middle of nowhere swimming in a river and my folks didn't even have any clue I was out there. But I mean, you know, we've got swimming, you've got current, you've got swimmer's itch, you've got drowning, uh, cramping, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's all things folks need to be thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the beginning of May, we did a training called Kids Don't Float. It's a it's three and a half days, and over that period of time, we bring in seven hundred kids who we teach. I'm going to sneeze. Uh oh. Ah! Excuse me. Um, we teach water <laughs> safety too, and uh, it's a lifelong skill. And whether mm-hmm. you are swimming or diving or at a pool or canoeing or fishing or out boating, whatever, having water safety skills is really important. Uh, You talked a little bit about being off at the river and nobody even knowing Mm -hmm. that you're there. One thing, always, always, always swim with a buddy. Even the best of swimmers can, you mentioned cramps, get cramps, that they run into trouble or get into a situation where they need help. So always, always have a buddy. And then hopefully you've got an adult with you um, when you're swimming because, again, um, they're going to know what to do uh, in a rescue situation. What we always say is to reach, throw, go. So reach for them first with your hand, a branch, a fishing pole, a boating oar, a swim noodle. If you have to take off your pants and you know, put the a leg of pants toward them. Reach with them if you can. Um, most drownings occur within about 15 feet of shore. Yeah. So they're not very far away. Uh, if you can't reach for them, the next thing would be to throw something. It could be a flotation cushion. Mm-hmm. It could be a life jacket, a pool noodle, a floaty, um, a, a, a one liter bottle of soda pop. If yeah. you dump that out, oh, yeah. put the cover back on, throw that. That's got enough flotation yep. to keep you up. A cooler. Uh, anything that will float, you can throw to them. And then the last thing would be to go. So reach, throw, go. And go means go for help. Yeah. Um, when people are swimming, um, we always say, you know, while they may go to a pool and there may be lifeguards there, don't count on those lifeguards uh, to save, uh, you know, to, to, to be able to watch the whole right. pool. A lot of kids, a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, I have a horrible situation that occurred up in a pool not far from here. My sister was there that day. Her kids had kind of two different skill um, sets in swimming. So she was watching this one at this end and her younger daughter at the other end and kind of scanning back and forth. 
pool was absolutely filled. She noticed somebody that was floating and on their stomach and watching her kids back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden that she noticed that same child that she thought was floating earlier was still laying that way. And that child had actually drowned Oh boy! Um, in the pool. Uh, and so having adults there that are enough adults to be responsible for the group size kids that you bring in is really important. And then active adult supervision, it means actively supervising, which means I'm watching the kids not on my phone, reading a magazine, taking a nap, sitting and visiting with somebody off to the side, you know, off in the kitchen mm-hmm. or whatever, but actively watching. And um, if you are at like an outing where there's a lot of kids around, we say that you should identify a water watcher whose sole purpose is to watch for whatever number of kids mm-hmm. that is. And if they need to go tend the barbecue, go to the bathroom, you know, uh, take a nap, get a beverage, cool off, whatever that they say, hey, John, can you watch the five kids that are in the water? Sure, yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, and not to joke about this, but when I was a kid, I grew up on a man-made lake, and my dad took me out on a big tractor tire inner tube and threw me off. I'd never swam before, and I'm, I'm struggling. I said, hey, I don't know how to swim. I can't swim. He says, well, not with that attitude. And uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> then, uh, you, real yeah. quickly. Um, I, I, you know, we always talk about, you know, the swimming and, and, you know, the biking and skateboarding. But there's a couple of other things that, that I wanted to touch upon that some people tend to overlook. Uh, one is grilling and, <laughs> and having bonfires. Um, you know what? It might not be your child doing the grilling. It might not be your child lighting a bonfire, but they're still going to be around it. Things can happen. I've seen where the family pet can really cause a problem, a bad problem around grills and fires and things like that. So a lot of these things people don't seem to think about. You know, well, I've been here all day with the grill. A kid can still get hurt around a hot grill. Absolutely. It's funny you talk about that because I put that on my list of things to talk about today. Also, this is the time of year where we're firing up those grills that Mm -hmm. have been sitting there all winter. A lot of them are propane, so they're hooked to a tank. Uh, You want to make sure that the tubing that goes from your tank to the grill um, is in good working order, that it hasn't gotten you know dried out, Mm -hmm. frozen, and brittle, that kind of thing. The way that we suggest doing that is taking a bowl with some um, Dawn dish soap in it and rubbing that along that that tube yep. uh, or the, the cable that hooks it up um, and then turn your um, grill on so the gas is running and you shouldn't see bubbles right. forming you along that. Bubbles if you do, up. it's leaking mm-hmm. gas and mm-hmm. leaking propane, which could lead to a situation that would be very dangerous if that ignited. Sure. Uh, we also talk about identifying a barrier around that grill for little kids, so kind of a three-foot area around it so that they stay away, particularly those young kids that are head-heavy, top-heavy, maybe toddling, um, not good mm-hmm. balance yep. uh, that could trip. Making sure that your grill is on a flat, solid surface so that it isn't on something that could tip over. Right. Um, and then as you're looking at, you know, campfires or that kind of thing, you know, making sure that like when you're done with your poker sticks that you've roasted mm-hmm. your hot dog or your weenie on, that you stand it up, not lay it down sure. where somebody S- could get up on it. and it's dark mm-hmm. and you trip over it. Um, if kids are wrapped up in blankets by those campfires that they're not getting too close um, where that could ignite. And then always having a source whereby you can put the water out yeah, uh, or put the fire out with water or an extinguisher. So whether that's a hose, uh, a bucket, uh, a fire extinguisher, whatever, something there that you can um, certainly put that fire out if it does start to get out of hand. And then pay attention if there's burn bands or what the yeah. wind is doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially lately. 
Um, I've got a burn pile of my house that's huge, and I have not been able to burn yet, but that's that's okay. Uh, another one, Carmen, that um, a lot of parents probably don't think about um, at this time of the year, uh, poison ivy, poison oak, uh, wood ticks, hornets, wasps, yellow jackets, bees, all the kind of stuff that can really ruin your day. Yeah, absolutely. So there are really great apps on your phone you can get that you can take um, up to a plant to identify what it is. Because a lot of people, if I said, be careful, that's poison ivy, Mm -hmm. they don't even know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's part of it is first knowing and identifying what it is. Interesting thing about poison ivy is it's the oil in it that causes the irritation to the skin. Yeah. And um, it's in the leaves, but it's also in the roots. Okay. And several years ago when we built our lake home, I was cleaning up our beach area and didn't realize I got into poison ivy, got it all over my legs. And once you've been exposed to it, um, you're more susceptible the next time around. Yeah. Well, many years down the road, um, up on the top of our hill, there was an area that's really kind of like grass that's high, but there were a lot of dead branches in there. And I... And it was all dead grass, but I started picking up the logs out of there. Oh, sure. And carrying them. By the end of the day, I was all broken out, and it was from the roots Mm -hmm. of what would have been poison ivy in there. Even though the poison ivy had not grown up yet, it was still in that soil. Sure, sure. And had had made quite a mess. So um, using the plant identifier apps on your phone so you know what it looks like, or at least going on to Google so you know what it looks like, uh, and then staying away from that. Um, If you do feel like you've brushed up against it, um, washing it off right away with soap and water. And then if you're going to be in an area where there may be poison an ivy um, wearing long pants yeah, yeah. Um, long sleeves that kind of thing same with the wood ticks you know um and, and you got to check yourself afterwards um and wood ticks are no fun yes yes and your pets um they have really good medications now for pets in fact uh, both my dogs one pill a month yep that's it and it, it's no ticks no mosquitoes none of that stuff and it's not that really expensive um another thing to worry about this well not too many kids are allergic to the hornets and the bees but you know what kids if you see a hornet nest and you see hornet, whoa, don't sit and point at it. Look at that cool thing. Because a hornet will sting you just because. Yep. All right? Uh, yep. Honeybees are a little different. People are like, well, I was told I'm not allergic to honeybees. I haven't been stung by a honeybee since I was a little kid running around barefoot. So I don't get stung by them. But um, uh, another one is sunburn. Uh, we took ladies for the outdoors out fishing a couple Saturdays ago, and I didn't think about it. It wasn't supposed to be. I got so burned, I'm still peeling. Um, but sunburn is another, I mean, that just isn't going to ruin your day for a kid. It's gonna, you're going to be in a hurt bag for a few days because you're going to go through the pain, the burn, and then the itch, and it's just no fun. Well, and not only that, but every time you get a sunburn, you set yourself up for the risk of skin cancer yep, yep. Uh, later in life. And that's not a joke either. Uh, so think about uh, that sunscreen and reapplying it often, uh, particularly if you are in and out of the water or you're sweating a lot. There is a more um, waterproof mm-hmm. sunscreen that you can get if you are going to be uh, in the water so that it stays on a little bit longer. Uh, but reapplying that often, um, staying out of uh, the sun during the hottest part of the day, which is usually between about 10 and 2. And then think about, you know, even if it's um, light cotton, uh, putting on something with longer sleeves, wearing a cap, uh, wearing sunglasses to protect your eyes, uh, you know, out on the water, uh, you know, you can get really bad uh, burns uh, that can damage uh, your eyes and your vision mm-hmm. um, just from the, the bright sun there. So 
uh, sunscreen, uh, apply it, apply it liberally. You know, they have both the, the cream kind and the spray kind. So uh, if your kids fight it, pick the kind that they like. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, keep the, them the, out of that sun if you can. Right. The clothing they're making, too, now, especially like fishing gear. Um, a couple of companies, Huck is the name and Under Armour. But um, they, they make these long sleeve shirts now that are fully breathable. You're not going to sweat, but you will not get the sunburn. You'll see a lot of professional athletes that are outside, especially fishermen, uh, golfers that are wearing this this kind of clothing. Now, we also talk this time of the year, uh, bikes, scooters, rollerblades, skateboards. I think parents are finally, because st- you see more and more kids now that are wearing the gear. They're wearing the elbow pads. They're wearing the helmets. All that, you know, we're trying to beat the sense into these folks, but I think they're finally starting to get it. But, boy, there's a lot of people out there on bikes right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because Ceci is actually, that's one of the projects she's doing this summer, is doing bike observations around our community of uh, what is our helmet use. When I first started this job 28 years ago, our helmet use in Grand Forks was at 11%. Uh, last year when we did our study, we were up above 50%. Wow. We'll see what we find this there. year. Uh, but, you know, we'll be driving and she'll see teens, some with, some without. Adults over 40, some with, some without. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is, is that head injuries can have devastating lifelong consequences. And, you know, if, uh, if we can protect that brain with a simple $12, $15 bike helmet, uh, it should be just part of the gear. If you can afford the bike, uh, the scooter, the skateboard, the rollerblades, whatever it is, uh, you need to consider that helmet as part of the gear. Uh, we can fit babies through adults with the helmets we have in our office. Uh, they're $12 for a bike helmet, uh, $16 for a multi-sport helmet. If you can't afford the helmet, ca- call us. We'll give you a helmet for free or we'll give it to you for a reduced price. Okay. Uh, our goal is to get them on people and have them fit properly. We also have lots of colors that they can choose from so that, uh, you know, it, maybe it matches their bike or it's their, mm-hmm. you know, favorite team's color or something like that because then they're more inclined to wear it. So if people want to get fitted for helmets, they can contact our office. Uh, this is the time of year where we're out and about at a lot of events. And right. so I don't want people just stopping by mostly because um, we might not be there and I don't want to miss them. But if they call our office at 701-780-1489, uh, we will set up an appointment, a time where we will be there uh, and then we can help uh, get them fitted. And again, uh, parents need to role model that behavior they want to see um, their kids um, having. So uh, get uh, those helmets on adults as well. And then the biggest thing I can tell you for teens besides getting their helmet on is get their earbuds out and put their phones down. Yeah, I can't yeah. tell you how many kids I see driving oh, around boy. the community you, you that are Don't even doing get me this. going on that. Don't even get me going on that. That bothers me. Um, Karma, I want to throw a couple of names out there. Uh, Bob Rost, I saw, got a nice cake. He was with Andy Schneider. What's going on there? Oh, you know what? That was a picture that got resurrected. Somebody liked it and okay. like shared it. I thought from maybe a he was going to be done with the, the street crossings and stuff like that. No, that was um, that was okay. a photo from a long time ago when um, Bob retired as the sheriff okay. and Andy took over. And I guess somebody went back and found it in the archives and shared yeah, it. It's like I just talked to Bob here a couple of weeks ago, and he never said anything about getting you know yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. Okay, now maybe I'll be right with this one though. Uh, Nolan Rickow is that his name? Yes. Did I pronounce yes. that right? Yes. Yes. Um, what a great kid.
kid the way it sounds. Yes. So uh, we have a partnership with AAA North Dakota that they provide our schools, any school that's interested in uh, having safety patrols. Now, a crossing guard is an adult who helps the kids across the street. They can go out in the street. They can stop traffic with the stop paddles. A safety patrol is actually the youth. And so we typically in Grand Forks, because fifth grade is the oldest grade in Mm -hmm. elementary school, uh, we'll pick fifth graders. And sometimes it's the counselor that picks them, sometimes the principal, sometimes the kids volunteer. We go in and we train them in the fall. AAA provides them with the equipment and some of the training information. And then those safety patrollers are kids that will help the younger kids around the school. So maybe getting them off the bus and away from the bus and the blind zones. Maybe helping kids uh, get their bikes hooked up or unhooked from the bike rack. Mm -hmm. Or getting out of the cars and getting moved away from that. Um, Helping to be role models at the school. And every year AAA sponsors an award uh, and they select the North Dakota Safety Patroller of the Year. And Nolan from Discovery Discovery Elementary was the one selected this year. And it was interesting because in his application, he said that he remembers when he first came to school as a kindergartner and he was so enamored and uh, in awe of the safety patrollers, but he knew he'd have to wait five or six years before he could do it. And now this was his year as a fifth grader and uh, he was able to serve in that capacity and he was named as our safety patroller. That's of the awesome. Year. That is awesome. Um, you know, we, we kind of brought up some of the things people don't necessarily think about i mean parents especially you know the wood ticks and bees and and grills and stuff but um another thing i saw uh, that say kids has got going on uh, the kids guide uh, staying safe online um you know that's another thing i think a lot of parents tend to forget about but um do you know what your kids are doing online uh, you see kids younger and younger now with cell phones. Good parents going to set the rules. They're going to make sure they can only do so many things. And then there are ways to do that to your phone. But and do you know what your kid's doing online? And they take that phone and they make it be in the parent's bedroom at night, not mm-hmm. in the kid's bedroom. Yep. Something, yeah. Yep, yep, absolutely. So our Grand Forks Police Department has a lot of great resources about uh, uh, online apps that maybe appear benign on the surface, uh, but are things that are, are kind of trying to lure in teens or young kids. They have great resources available. There's a lot of classes that parents can take about that as well. Um, We, in our Safe at Home Alone class, we do touch on some of those things um, about just, you know, uh, your phone can be your friend, but it can also be something that, you know, can be dangerous. Very, Kids need to know that. Um, As we talk about Safe Alone, I will mention we do have a class coming up. That is a class that is designed for kids that are maybe spending time home alone during the day. We talk about um, cooking, stranger danger, answering the door, what to do in a weather emergency, that kind of thing. Um, that Safe alone, Home Alone class, we have one on June 13th and on July 20th. Okay. Um, it goes from 9 until noon and 1 to 4. So same day, uh, two different times. So you pick either the morning or the afternoon. Uh, that cl- class costs $20. Uh, if someone can't afford that, we have a scholarship available through Brady Marts uh, that would cover the cost of that class. They simply need to contact contact us oh. at our office and um, that'll help offset that. Uh, we also have a class that we offer called Smart Sitter. That's a five-hour class that is designed for kids kind of that uh, 12 to 15 maybe that are looking to babysit, take care of younger siblings or other kids. Uh, in that one, we also go into things like making a bottle, burping, diapering, mm-hmm. consoling a baby. Uh, we touch on CPR and first aid. Uh, that class is $50 
and uh, those go from nine until noon typically. Uh, that being said, um, we do have a wait list. Our yep. class that's coming up this week is full, uh, and so if anybody's interested, we are going to be adding more classes okay. this summer and fall that people can call our office and say, "Hey, when you schedule that, let me know right away so I sure. can get scheduled." And, and you know, there's a lot of kids, especially summer. A lot of the the, the you know the twelve, thirteen, fourteen year olds that are itching to make some extra money, maybe a little bit too young to go get a job, but not too young to babysit. You know, if you take one of these courses like this and you say, well, boy, it's going to cost me 50 bucks. You babysit one day, you make two days, back. you got your money right there. And, and, and not to mention, I think the babysitter itself, his self or herself is going to feel more comfortable. But I would think the parents of the babysitter and the parents of the kids being babysat would feel a lot more comfortable and at ease also. Absolutely. And at the end of the class, we do give them a certificate that says that they have taken this course. Sure. And we tell them, if you're talking to people or you're putting it on social media or you're sending a text message to your you know, your parents' friends saying, hey, I'd love to babysit if you have a need, sending a picture of that certificate to show that you took the initiative, you were mature and responsible mm-hmm. you know, to take that class. Uh, and and I, I think it shows uh, you know, an effort on their part to, sure. to make sure that they're doing it safer. Now, if there are parents in the community that have um, teens uh, that are driving their kids around to activities this mm-hmm. summer that are doing babysitting, I would say make sure that your uh, person that is doing that knows how to use the car seat, that they know sure. about yep. being in the back seat, about if they're older and not needing a car seat, that they know to buckle up. What are those rules? Mm-hmm. Uh, and make sure that that babysitter is also buckling right. up and yeah. knows that if they're going to be transporting your kids, that is the expectation. Uh, if they don't know how to install that car seat, they can certainly contact our office. We can get them into one of our car seat checkup events that we have coming up and teach them how to install it in their vehicle. I will tell you that over the years, there've been many times where, you know, the, the parents may have a big SUV where the car seats work fine in that, but they've had to buy different car seats for, uh, the, the nanny's car mm-hmm. yeah. because maybe, it's a smaller sedan and sure. they won't fit. So those are some of the things that you want to be thinking about now as the summer is launching and you might have other people caring for your kids. You know, you guys, uh, and you mentioned it at the top of the show, Karma, you, you people do so many things at Safe Kids. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about safe at home. Uh, you've also got Arrive Alive at 25, or Alive at 25 events, child seat events, all that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, well, I just wanted to mention something because I actually spoke with Karma because it just happened to me recently where uh, we got rear-ended. Don't worry about it, Dale. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize it, but if you get in a car accident, your car seats are totaled. Oh. It, it doesn't matter even if they're, I mean, they look like they're perfectly fine. And mm-hmm. I'm sure they are mm-hmm. perfectly fine, but by standard. And insurance companies will pay to replace them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. yeah, Paul contacted us after he had been in a fender bender and asked about that. And there are guidelines. And uh, most car seat manufacturers say that after any crash, they have to be replaced. Some will have criteria that say, you know, if the airbags went off, if you stop medical attention, uh, if it happened on the side of the car where the um, car seat was placed, um, if there's broken or missing parts, that kind of thing. Those are some of the criteria that they go by. Some car seat manufacturers and the ones that Paul had were 
any crash, you have to replace it. And it's because there is stress, even if the child isn't in it, but that seat is strapped in, that seatbelt uh, puts pressure on that seat mm-hmm. just as your seatbelt does. If you're driving it in a crash, the retractors lock uh, and uh, it will uh, can put stress fractures uh, onto that seat. Uh, so in subsequent crashes, it may not hold up. Uh, now, if that happens and you need to replace it, contacting the insurance company, they will pay for those seats. The other thing is, is you want to make sure that you don't just set those seats out on the berm or put them in the trash. Somebody else. Because unfortunately, people will take them that can't afford a seat, not realizing they've been in a crash, thinking, hey, this looks perfectly good. Uh, I'm going to take it because I need a new seat and can't afford it. So there's there's nowhere. I mean, like Paul, um, his wife got rear-ended. You know, you could say it wasn't a bad crash, but right now you can look at the car and it doesn't look like it has hardly any damage and it's thousands of dollars of damage. But Is there such a thing, and it sure helps with insurance paying for a new seat, but is there anyone that can inspect these and say, yep, this one is still okay or unfortunately not? Because me being around the racing business, um, I know what people pay for their their seats and their five-point harnesses and all that, but just because they get in a bad wreck doesn't mean they got to throw everything in the garbage. So, But uh, that makes sense, and especially if... You do have insurance like you should, people, and then you don't have to worry about it. Right. And the other thing is, if you are in a crash, your seatbelts that were in use need to be replaced as well. Okay. Uh, there is a couple things. There's give in the webbing such mm-hmm. that it, it lets loose a little bit like this so that you, it, I equate it to this. We teach the kids this to slap their hands really hard and it hurts. Or if you just clap them lightly, it doesn't hurt as bad. That letdown or that ride down of that crash and that webbing is the difference between slam, slapping your hands really hard and a nice soft touch. And so once that has gone on a subsequent crash, it may not work. The other thing is in your retractor, there are teeth that grab into that seatbelt to pull it back and to lock you up against the back of your seat. Those can break off and bend in a crash also. So it's important to get those seatbelts replaced as well. And your auto dealer will help you with that. All right. John, you mentioned a couple things. These are really, this is a big deal that we get this in our community. Um, Alive at 25, Mm -hmm. we have an instructor through our office um, that teaches that class. And it is geared for uh, people that are age 14 to 24. Uh, And it is a class that has been proven that people who take this class are less likely to have traffic citations, be in a crash, um, and, and, and be involved in incidents that could either cost them their life, injuries, risk, damage to vehicles, that kind of thing. Uh, it is a class that uh, is taught here in Grand Forks. We have a class coming up on June 14th. There, it, It's $55 to attend. Uh, in August, we're going to have a class on August 6th. That's a Sunday from 1 to 5. Uh, State Farm has generously donated uh, a, a scholarship to offset that a little bit. So the class will be $45 in the month of August oh. uh, if there are people interested in taking that. The other thing that's coming to our town, and it only comes about every two or three years, is a event called Driving Skills for Success. It's going to be at the Alaris Center on July 11th. Uh, it is free of charge, and uh, it's for parents and kids both to come. And there, the whole Alaris Center football field is filled with activities from how to change a tire, oh, wow. how to check your sure. oil, what should you be doing for getting ready for driving in the winter. They've got a course where uh, they put fatal vision goggles on the kids and have them drive cars uh, as if they were under the influence of alcohol. Uh, out in the parking lot, they have a police officer that sits with the youth in a car. Um, they drive, the youth drives, and then they 
give them a cell phone and have them respond to the text messages and see how many cones they hit along the way or how much longer it took them or how distracted they were. Uh, That class, uh, it is free. Uh, You can go on to the Vision Zero webpage uh, or our Safe Kids webpage and look at that. Any student that comes to the Driving Skills for Success event will get to go to the Alive at 25 class free of charge. Oh. And they are offered from 8 to noon and 1 to 5 on that day. You do need to register, but that's free of charge. And anybody that does Alive at 25 usually gets um, insurance discounts. Yeah. Uh, so it's worth worth sending your kids to. Um, when you see the people of Grand Forks and how they drive, a lot of them, um, there should be an Alive at 25 event, an Alive at 35, 45, <laughs> 55, 60. And you can go down the line because I know that there are people that probably could not pass a driving test right now if they had to. And I had actually brought that up, uh, I believe it was to uh, Sheriff Schneider, that, um, you know, why can't it be law? Like every 15 years or 10 years, we do have to take a written test, but it should be paid for or something because... A lot of the times, these uh, when you start to get older, you don't get pulled off the road until it's too late. But right. it's always good to start early. I would much rather a lot of younger drivers, I feel almost more comfortable around them as long as they don't have a cell phone. Uh, because it seems like they're way more, paying attention way more. Uh, the longer you've been driving, the, the, the more you tend to stray away from what you're doing because you've been doing it so long. But um, yeah, I, I, I like to see when I see a kid with... 10 and 2 on the wheel and and actually turning a right turn into the first lane the and lane. then and then using your blinker and looking and using your mirrors and then merging and, and, I mean I almost speed up and pull up next to him and just go hey Good job. Right. Good job. Your folks should be proud of you. Right. Um, anything we missed out on? Well, it, it, you mentioned uh, drivers and, and behaviors. Uh, the single most uh, important predictor of survivability or minimized injuries in a crash, of course, is the seatbelt. Sure. Uh, in North Dakota, our seatbelt usage ranks about fifth lowest in the country no, at 82%. Okay. And uh, you may have heard the big news. And of course, I have a big smile. Uh, Sheriff Schneider and I have been working for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I've been working on it for 12 years, Sheriff Schneider for four, uh, on getting a primary seatbelt bill passed and it passed this session finally Mm -hmm. Uh, we wish we didn't need a primary belt law but with our seatbelt usage rates as low as it is we know that there are people that are not going to change their behavior sure uh without it uh and so that law will go into effect on august 1st uh, of this year Uh, we know that states that pass them see their seatbelt rates go up about 10 to 12 percent national seatbelt average is about 92 to 94 percent we're hoping to get ours up significantly higher because it's costing all of us as taxpaying citizens a lot of money for people who choose to not buckle up on yeah, our roadways. Yeah, if you roll your car and get paralyzed from the neck down, I shouldn't have to pay for you to lay in a hospital for the rest of your life. And, and, you that, know? and that's costing lots of money exactly, to our taxpayers. So exactly. And I would think conservative in me yeah, looked at it from, even if you look sure. at it just from that standpoint. And I would think nationally uh, insurance rates would kind of go down too then because, well, you're not using your insurance because you didn't get hurt because you didn't have your seatbelt on. Right. Um, you guys do amazing work. Uh, you know, you know, it's like, boy, you have her on four times a year. And it's like, I know, but there's four times a year when there's a new parent going, wow, that's something I didn't think of. You know, well, interesting. You say that because when we leave here, I'm going to be taking Ceci over to the Altru clinic. Okay. Uh, she is going to be doing a stand up. 
display today uh, in the OB department uh, on safe sleep and what are the safe sleep recommendations and handing information out to parents. And the reality of it is this, is that every day a baby's born, a new parent is born as well. Sure, sure. And there's lots to know, a lot of information or places where you can Mm -hmm. get it. Some is very trusted and credible. Others, not so much. Our goal at Safe Kids is really to meet parents where they're at, not judge them, not say, well, that was a dumb question, or I can't believe you didn't know that, to help them figure out, um, based on their financial situation or their living situation or the number of kids, how can we help? What, 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 how do we suggest buckling them up in the yep. car? Or if you don't have a crib, where should they sleep? Or, you know, if you're going to the lake, do you know about our life jacket loaner program at the YMCA? Things like that. We're here to help people. Uh, our, uh, couple ways to get a hold of us. Uh, as I said, don't just stop by the office. Mostly, even though we're in a clinic, uh, and we're there a lot of the time. We're out and about in the, the community so much, oh, and we sure. don't want to miss people. So give us a call seven zero one seven eight zero one four eight nine. We're located in the Altru Clinic in East Grand Forks, and you can always email us at safekids at altru.org. Uh, go to our Facebook page and like us there. We're posting a lot of tips and updates. Uh, we're going to be putting on there when we have you know, free classes coming up or events in other communities. We've got this summer a, a splash into safety event in Laramore. We have a page full of car seat checkup events that we'll be advertising all throughout the region. So our Facebook page is a good place to find us as well. Karma, thank you for coming in again. Thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to when you come back, and I'm looking forward to you bringing Ceci with you because we're going to put her on the we're going to put her under the microscope here when we come back. Again, folks, uh, All True Clinic in East Grand Forks is where Safe Kids Grand Forks is located. You can go to SafeKids at AllTrue.org or seven zero one seven eight zero one four eight nine. All True, uh, I mean uh, Safe Kids Grand Forks, they do. So, so many different things. And a lot of these things that they do doesn't cost you anything, all right? First thing you do is call with the question. They'll steer you the right way. Thank you so much for coming in, Karma. Absolutely. And go to our website, too, safekidsgf.com. And the other thing, while you're there, go to the right-hand side, and you can sign up for our newsletter that comes out free of charge. Lots of information in it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, By the way, our show today brought to you by Muskox. Hey, if you move snow with a skid steer, you've got to see the muskox difference. A patented back drag feature allows operators to blow snow while back dragging in front of obstructions. You know, garage doors, siding, and fire hydrants. Now this saves time and money while lowering injury risk by decreasing manual labor. The optional dual logger, called the Dually, helps the operator eat through big snowfalls, ice-crusted snow, and blow more snow while back dragging. And the glide plate, it allows you to glide over grass and gravel without ripping up the soft surfaces. Subsequently, create an instant torque on the lower cutting edge to break up snow and ice to better expose hard surfaces. See the muskox difference. Go to muskox.com or Facebook at muskox snowblowers or call 218-288-1905. See the difference for yourself. It's the muskox difference. Hey, how about that? Uh, by the way, thank you again to Karma and all the people uh, involved with today's show. Uh, Safe Kids, Graham Forks, what a great, great bunch of people. Uh, by the way, Kid Brennan has Common Sense Uncensored at 1 o'clock today. Tell you what, it's a great show. If you care about your town, your city, your state, or your country, you're going to watch this. All right? Have yourself a great day, everybody. And remember to like, share, tag, and follow us. Hit that notification bell on your smartphone. You'll never miss a show that way. You know, we all know the Grand Cities is an awesome place, 
Well, Grand Fork's best source is giving them an identity again. 